trauma is just there. We can bypass it. We can pretend that it doesn't exist. We can resist facing it. Um, and I'm using that word trauma, not to like, sometimes we just think about big stuff, but it could be, yeah. you know, some, mm -hmm. some weird relationship that you have with somebody. So this is not to say we don't like invest in humans in relationship, but we understand our parts. We accept our parts. Like the first part of self-love is acceptance, but we have to know it first. We have to face who we are first. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real-life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Trish Chat. My name is Steph, and I'm here with Jess. Hello, hello. We are so happy. We are here with Elisa. Hi, Elisa. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. Of course. So Elisa has been on the podcast. She is a podcast favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, this is her third time. And we keep asking her to come back because Elisa is always spitting some truth. Mm -hmm. And today we are talking about cutting the cord. And 2020 has been a year mm -hmm. for everyone. And I think it has caused a lot of us to do some introspection and to really evaluate um, what, what is serving us and what is no longer serving us. Um, and I think many people have gone through the experience of, of cutting the cord. So I'm just going to talk very briefly about what I've read out there in terms of what it means to cut the cord. And then Lisa, I would love for you to like, just um, bless us with your view on like what it means to, to cut the, to cut the cord. I do want to say really quickly, um, if you like what you're hearing, if you love our podcast, please go on iTunes, rate us, subscribe, leave a review. I'll leave it there. Now back to cutting the cord. So um, we live in a world where we are all spiritual beings. Um, we all exchange energy, uh, when we connect and, and meet with people. And because of that, when we share that energy, we can build energetic cords, which some people say are similar to connections with others. Some of those cords can be good, but we can also pick up cords or build cords that don't necessarily serve our highest good. And those cords can be um, created with parents, with siblings, with partners, with ex-partners, with friends, with coworkers, because we're exchanging energy with so many people. So that's kind of the very general 101 overview of energetic cords that we can build. Elisa, how would you describe these cords? Yeah. Um, thank you so much for that. And I think the context of of sort of where we are currently and what we're all probably energetically sensitive to mm -hmm. is really good context to have for this because, you know, when we form relationships with other people, when we love other people, we actually take something or someone as a part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, we form an energetic bond with them. And 
when I look about, when we talk about energy, I think it can sometimes be really confusing because it's like, what does that mean? Does it mean a relationship or space? But I really like to see it almost if you think about your physical body, like where are we carrying the love or the connection that we have with other people? And um, what's interesting is if we even think about energy, like if you ever look at um, sort of how energy is transmitted from one person to another, there's like 15 feet of energy that we transmit to one another. So even just within the physical sense, like I'll see someone across the street, like I'm feeling or I'm sensing their energy. Mm. And it's it's why sometimes you can be like, oh, that person doesn't have great energy or I feel drained. And so- we do that constantly, right? This is just part of what it means to be human. Um, but when I, when we think about cords, they're essentially attachments that we have with others connecting us with the patterns and dynamic of that bond. Um, and they can exist as in, in, invisible strings, um, and they can often weigh on us heavily. So when we take someone as a part of ourselves, you have to think that, you know, when you're sad, I might be sad too. Mm-hmm. and vice versa. But when we think about, you know, cords energetically, we also want to make sure that we're maintaining our own boundaries, that we're taking back our energy and that we're sort of becoming more energy sovereign in the way that we navigate through the world. So I would really call those cords as like attachments, um, connections and relationships mm-hmm. that we have with other people. Sometimes it's important to take our energy back and sometimes we give it freely. Mm. It's a great way to describe that. And I think that you hit the nail on the head in regards to just being in someone's energy and like feeling drained. I feel like Steph, you can pick that up very quickly. You're just, you're just like, oh, I just, that was just, that felt off. That was bad energy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, I think you're really good. Like you're being in touch with either, I don't know if that's intuition or your energy or what that is, but I just thought of you when she said that. (laughs) Yeah. I guess no response to that. It's it's literally what I hear you say. Yeah. I feel like Steph is really good at that because you and I can be like, what just happened? And she's like, oh, I saw it all. (laughs) And some of us have the sensory ability to actually see these things before they even come to us. And others of us, like I'm an empath. So I tend to sense other people's energy, Mm -hmm. um, can feel it before we see it. Mm. Um, And we might not, we might think that it's ours when it's actually not. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. That's confusing. That is very confusing. But I also feel like some people's energy just like screams out at you and it's it's a lot and not in a good way. So you know sometimes you talk to people and you walk away from the conversation and you feel really jazzed and you feel really good and you feel you just feel great coming out of it. But sometimes you talk to people and you come out of it and you feel sick. <laughs> you feel like those days when you get out of bed and your throat hurts, like your head hurts, like you have a migraine, your eye is like a little fuzzy and you're like, I, I, I don't, what, did someone just like suck the, like the life out of me? What happened? Yeah. So sometimes it just doesn't feel good. Um, so thank you for sharing that, Elisa. That was like very clear and, and I think is helpful for people to understand this idea of, of chords. Can you share instances in your life where you found yourself needing to cut a cord? Yeah, I definitely can. Um, I feel like this is just the story of my life, to be quite honest. But also, you know, obviously, uh, I think recency bias does that. But, um, you know, one of my main functions and purposes in this life, and I'm, and I'm really leaning into it now, is, is experiencing true freedom. Um, I, I, I come from a background that was like heavily religious and, you know, mm-hmm. I was repressed for a while as a gay woman and 
Um, and so there was just a lot of, of heaviness that I had in the past. And I would say in the past probably five or so years, I've been kind of shedding some of that. And so I've experienced this with family members, with romantic relationships, with friendships, with jobs. Sometimes we can kind of have an energetic bond with our role or, or a boss. Mm -hmm. And so these were places where the transactions of these cords were no longer in alignment with my greater purpose. Um, they were holding me back. Um, and at times, you know, there's, there's something about when you were talking uh, stuff, I thought about this idea of like, it's always great when we have mutually reinforcing energy, right? Mm -hmm. And when I'm giving out, I'm getting back yeah. from something else and we're meeting and maybe it's in a beautiful boundary way or we're just having this beautiful flow. But there's other times where people can kind of scream at us, like you said, and maybe they're oversharing or we're just, we could be love bombed, right? Where they're just like, you're amazing, you're this. And you're like, I feel like that person is really nice, but why do I feel like scared or like I need to yeah. protect myself? And so- these experiences, um, and I would say definitely the one with my family has been very difficult um, because what I'm finding is that it's not just a one step, oh, okay, I'm cutting the cord. Yeah. Um, it's actually taken a lot of work to recognize how and who I interact with and what are the boundaries that I have and what are places where some relationships are just kryptonite for the person that we want to become. And so it's been, it's been very difficult to be okay with making this decision and to prioritize myself. And I would say the family stuff is, is the most difficult for me just because, you know, you never think that the person who brought you into this life would not necessarily always be the healthiest. Um, and so I think like once you start to get at the bigger cord mismanagement that you've had thus far, it could get a little scary, but I, I find that the more that I release, the more that I allow in beautiful humans and soul family that fill that, with so much more expansion than, than those relationships ever could have. Ooh, okay. Let's backtrack a little bit. Cause you said yeah. cord mismanagement and I just, yeah. I'm internally <laughs> screaming at this because this is the most incredible phrase because I can relate to you in the sense of recognizing that the people that are supposed to be, um, I see whoever it is that raised you as like the people who knew you before you came to like be um, really conscious of who you were. And so I see those people as being like your ride or dies in a way where it's like if everyone else in the world wants to abandon me, I can go back to these people that that raised me that I grew up with. And when you have to come to terms with the fact that maybe those people aren't your ride or dies, there's a lot of reflection that you have to do in regards to like worthiness and all this stuff. But I think very few people come to that decision just right away of like, you know what, this is not serving me and I'm just going to cut this. So this, we go into this like cord mismanagement, as you say, where you're like trying to make it work, but it's depleting your energy. And it's just like gnawing at you in such a negative way where you feel, you feel like you are betraying yourself so much but specifically being Latinx, you feel like you owe your parents or whoever raised you or your family, that you owe them the respect where no matter how disrespectful you are, you have to like take that shit from them because they raised you, because they sacrificed for you, because they did X, Y, and Z for you. But it's just, it's like, it's like someone's like literally putting a hose in you and sucking the, the power out. Yep. Yeah, that's, I mean... 
really it's it's this idea too of blind loyalty i mean we hear it throughout society it's like blind loyalty to our roles or to our friends um but people time and time again tell you who they are and i think you know if it's bad for us it's also bad for them Mm-hmm. right? That's Ooh. a toxic bond, right? If it's not serving anyone, if someone's subsisting off of my energy or vice versa, I, I actually have seen it as a release. So it's like cutting the cord can oftentimes be like, well, what does that mean? I can't drop humans. Mm-hmm. I still have immense love and compassion for everyone in my family and my mother specifically. However, I needed to release her back to herself because the energy that existed in my body and maybe the energy that existed within her was not serving me. I had to call my energy back. And I had to give her back hers. And um, shockingly, the more that I did that, I mean, I, I, I released in a letter and that took a lot of cord cutting before that. But recently she released me back in a response to that letter. That never would have happened had I not done that initial release, had I not honored what I knew was best for my, my own healing. And, and I think forgiveness happened on the other side of that. Mm. So I think that there can be immense compassion when we do cut the cord. Yeah. What I, I want to backtrack a little, like what, cause I want, I want the listeners to, I think the idea of cutting the cord for someone who is just getting into like really understanding the way that we exchange energy and whatnot, I think it can be very, very daunting to be able to trust your own intuition. Cause I think when you've been taught to betray your own intuition and follow a set of rules, you second guess yourself a lot. So I want to I want to ask what helped you realize that you needed to cut the cord? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um and I I reflected on this a lot before this call because I kind of in a way it was like a whirlwind, but it was almost like these mini decisions that I was making throughout my life, whether it be some relationships or a job which no longer served me. And I didn't think it would get as far as family, because as you mentioned, like when would you ever think that that mm-hmm. would be the case? But what happened was, is that I really connected more with spirituality and I, I really connected with this God love. And what I mean by that is like this self-love that I was starting to, you know, it starts with acceptance of my shadow parts or the parts of myself that I've maybe been ashamed about. Mm. Um, from there, I realized that there were things that were in my energetic body that were not mine. Right. And I was like, you know, where did that come from? And so as I did my own work, it was starting to transform and transmute and that really alchemize that pain into power and give back. So I was doing a lot of that just, you know, regardless of releasing anybody, I was just like, that's not mine. This is mine. This is who I am and growing. It really just became no longer sustainable to hold these relationships with any integrity. And I think, again, the more that I allowed love in via God and my own spiritual practice, um, mm-hmm. honestly, via nature, like just literally going outside and being like, this is abundant as am I, I'm a part of this. And then lastly, I would think the most important is with a community, like allowing soul family and allowing people to love me and speak into my life and, and let me understand what love was to recognize what it wasn't. Yeah. Right. So th- these bonds created such obligation and transactional halfway love that wasn't actually love it was actually in my body not serving me and so it was stunting my growth it became physical it became emotional and the more that I released it the more that I felt lighter the more that I felt more open the more that I felt more certain about where I was going and what was and what and who was and who wasn't in alignment with that direction I know that sounds a little high level so I'm happy to explain more but that's 
really much the long and short of it. No, I mean, I, I think I think you said a couple of important things. One of the ones that I want to touch on as someone who was also raised in a religious household is you're you we're talking this idea about like you're trusting your intuition, cutting energetic cords, uh, having energy that doesn't serve us and needing to release it. And um having been raised in a religious family, that could very easily be seen as brujería or cosas que no son de Dios, things that are, that are not godly-like. And I really appreciate the fact that you are not only blending the um, relationship with God, with God that that came from uh, from you know how you were raised, but also your own spiritual practice that you've evolved into, like um, believing in as you've explored more. And so I want to just send a very strong like message to people that this sort of stuff is not in any way touching upon like anything negative, as you may think, like devil's work or anything like that, this is really truly getting in touch with the core of who you are and that energy that you're carrying and really getting back to who you are and finding what's within you that doesn't align with that so that you can let go of it. And I really appreciate that you said that, you know, your relationship with God helped in this. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it is important for someone who is religious who is listening to this who may be wondering like well how does this fit into my life absolutely i think you know that's something that i feel like i've been reclaiming so part of this process right so we cut cords but what do we get back we get back immense love and the ability to reclaim our power and part of this work has really allowed me to reclaim my relationship with god and i i follow jesus um you know there's there's mm-hmm. so many different terms for what that is but it's also recognizing that God doesn't love me in pieces. Mm. He loves me fully, mm-hmm. right? And he loves me for everything because I'm gay, because I, you know, have a nose ring, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. He loves me in my truest expression because I am an embodiment of God. And in most religions, that's a belief, but absolutely, this is not anything other than what I was raised. It's just my own unique experiences and blending them into my perspective on how I view myself in relation to God or the, to the universe. Love that. Love that. And I, um, I think it's so important in you talking about getting back to yourself because something that I also like, I'm still exploring this and, and this is maybe like very elementary, but just getting to a a very concrete idea is when you cut a cord with someone, right? So like I cut the cord with my family it was like, I am no longer attached to what this family unit is and what it what it meant. And that means that I am no longer who they told me that I was. So who am I is the question that I had to ask. And I have I had to figure that out. And I'm still figuring that out, right? Like I'm still figuring out what brings me joy. What do I like to do when I when my time is unscheduled? What are the things that bring me uh uh, like that make me smile? What are the things that make me feel really good? And that make me feel like I am aligned with the purpose that I have and with the values that I hold. And I think that it's important to recognize that if you're walking around in life and you're just feeling completely disconnected from yourself, you're feeling like you're not in alignment. It probably means that you're holding on to some energy that doesn't that's not serving you. And that's when you need to cut a cord. 
Yeah, we could wear other people. Um, and, you know, as, as, as children of, of humans who raised us, right, um, they raised us with what they knew, right? It's like you have this generational programming that can mm -hmm. happen. And, you know, there's even, there's, I mean, this is a scientific fact that kids could experience the same trauma that their mom um, had and while they're in the womb, right? So this is um, something that like can actually not, you know, manifest in sickness or, or other things. And what's beautiful about this work when you're clearing the path towards your authentic self, towards who you were before all of the programming, all of the trauma, et cetera, et cetera. I know, you know, beautiful things as well. Despite me releasing anyone from my life, my family will always be, you know, we'll always have the same DNA, et cetera. When I heal, they heal. And that's what I've experienced. And I don't really know how scientifically that works, mm -hmm. but that's what I've seen is that the more that I clear my own path, the more that I am, you know, not only clearing the path of those that came behind me, but also who I may intend to bring into the mm -hmm. world as a child, right? So I see it as like this beautiful, like balance of like what it means to kind of like leave behind and also like leave behind better than what you found it. Mm. Deep. Yeah, we got to sit with that for a few seconds. <laughs> um, what did, what resources did you use to cut the cord? Because there's a lot of different ways that you can um, release energy that's not serving you. So I would love it if you could talk through some of the ways that you've done that. Yeah, um, I would say one of the most important things that I've done. So I was in therapy for about 10 years. Um, and it wasn't until I started talking to my inner child. Mm. so that that part of myself were uh that experienced early wounding that I was really able to find some tremendous healing and um there's so much about inner child and therapy so like most therapists are trained in this if they're trained in trauma inner child work um there's also a separate you know YouTube and so much stuff so if you're interested in this please look into it but basically what I was able to do was visualize my inner child and how they were experiencing a lot of what was happening in my life. So where was it triggering prior wounding? Mm -hmm. And then how can I, you know, as an adult intervene, give that child what it needs? Like this was through visualization. So there's a lot of stuff that you can do in therapy, either journaling about your inner child, but I did more of a, a meditational visualization. So these are like one hour sessions, connecting with that inner child, figuring out what is it experiencing in terms of a feeling? Where do I feel it in my body? Mm -hmm. And then how can I give it what it needed and then integrate with it in its new healed form? Very, very quick way of describing what this you know form of therapy was, but it literally was healing at the source. Because a lot of the questions that my coach who was walking me through this asked was, you know, what are you experiencing? How does it feel? What was the first memory that you remember feeling like this? So they're able to pinpoint exactly where you first experienced that and then help you really heal that. And so the more that I was doing that, the more that I was like, whoa, this is like therapy times 10. Mm. So I'd say inner child work was really powerful. Teal Swan, um, I was following her process, but there's a lot out there. I would also say journaling was really helpful. Um, and that was also part of the inner child work, but just starting to track and understand my thoughts. There's so much scientifically that they say that when we're actually, and it's the physical, it's not just typing, physically writing things. It's a beautiful balance for your left and right brain to really process some stuff. And from there, I was able to start making commitments to myself and really noticing what was happening. 
Um, I would say, again, we talked a little bit about this already, but practicing boundaries, probably the best, like if you have not really like done any therapy, or if maybe you're just starting off and you're not sure about inner child work or anything else, just practicing boundaries, you'll generally see who might be the drain. Like you'll generally (laughs) see who is actually like respecting them or who you might need to create more boundaries around. For me, I found that I need to create boundaries for myself mostly. Mm. And so sometimes we think about boundaries, it's like, stay away. It's like, no, 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 I need to actually hold my energy back because I tend to sometimes fill in the gaps for other people because that's mm. what I had to do as a child. That mm. was my form, right? I was my parents' counselor. So doing that was helpful. Um, so I would say those resources have been really amazing. In addition to energy work, which if you're interested in that, feel free to look into it. Things like Reiki, et cetera, mm-hmm. were really helpful to at least help me heal some of the wounding Um, that I was seeing manifesting physically. Love that. So it's not just like a one and done. It's not like, let me go to this Reiki healer. They're (laughs) going to cut these cords and I'm going to walk out of there and I don't have to do anything else. I'm good. Um, But it's also, there are parts of this that can be free if you don't have the financial means to pay. Because sometimes uh, when you go to like uh, someone who, who heals energy, um, sometimes that can be expensive. Um, sometimes therapy can be expensive. So I love that you talk about some free ways or low cost ways that you can do that. It's, it's always free to set boundaries. doesn't cost anything, maybe just some emotional toil, but that's part of like working through things. And then just, you know, like the inner child work that you can look up on, on YouTube and, and on the internet in general. So I appreciate the fact that you're sharing a full spectrum of ways that that could be done. Yeah. And there's, exactly. um, yeah. And there's just so much online as well. Yeah. A lot online. And also we did a boundaries episode. So if you don't know how to start with that, you can start there as a free resource. And boundaries are really hard because as a Latinx person, you're taught that it's everything for your family. And I think the more the less that you give, the more that you can be seen as a bad person, even if you're doing something that's good for you. So concrete example is like, if you have been working nine, 12 hours, 12 hours every day, you're exhausted, but the primo is coming in from Dominican Republic and you're the only one with a car and the flight lands at midnight. You just worked until 11 PM, have to get up at six tomorrow. And you're this like, a very specific example. And you're like, <laughs> this is something that happened. No, but I'm just saying like, I'm putting it concrete and you're like, I'm exhausted. I cannot do this. You're seen as like, you're so selfish. The primo is coming in. You're not going to pick him up. How's he supposed to get here? Stuff like that. <laughs> I just went on a whole thing. That, that sounds like something that happened to you. I mean, is that something that I, I certainly wouldn't be able bitter. to do you, I will not with my driving ability. I would not go pick up anybody at the airport. <laughs> Nobody even asked me. Yeah, don't ask stuff to pick you up at the airport. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think another example, because I'm pretty sure I did that. Once. <laughs> the primo, you didn't pick them up. I've driven since I was 15. <laughs> but I think another example is also like being involved in family drama, mm. right? So like, or like being pulled in, it's like, oh my God, did you hear that this and this and this? And 
you know, and it's, that's another area to put up boundaries. Sometimes it's not even about you or someone asking you something about yourself, but it's just like, I don't want to be exposed to negative judgments, et cetera, about something that has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. And many times people do that, right. To get a sense of their own self-importance or to feel connected or to connect me. I mean, that happened a lot. Like Lise, oh my God, did you hear? Mm -hmm. And I had to really put up boundaries that be like, you know, I really don't want to talk about that. I mean, may they be well, or like, it's, you know, I told you again, I don't really want to get involved in that relationship. Many times it's like, that just means that you don't want to be a part of the family, right? So how do you reframe that? And how do you communicate that in a way that they know? And sometimes it takes a few times and you you will get some, you know, offended looks, et cetera. But for the most part, if people know you and, and sort of understand why you're resistant to that sort of a conversation, my hope is that they would shift. And if not, maybe you don't talk to them all the time or pick up the phone mm-hmm. all the time. Maybe you create limits about how you engage or what you talk about. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it felt like to cut the cord? Cause I imagine that some people may assume that you set a boundary and you're like, I'm cutting cords. It's going to feel great. Uh, I did some energy healing. I'm going to come out of here. It's going to feel great. Can you talk a little bit about what what that experience was like and the kind of the spectrum of emotions that you felt throughout that experience? Yeah, it's I appreciate you asking that because I not that I want to be like, it's awful because I think in the end I'm happier than I've ever been. But um, it's difficult. You know, I think I was just talking to a friend yesterday about the fact that I've, you know, it's not just that I released my family like willy nilly. It's taken 20 plus years, maybe of me trying to get to them into therapy or mm-hmm. get them to care or like come out thoughtfully or like deal with their feelings about me coming out. So there was just so much of that. And I realized that I was really as an empath who is somebody that is very sensitive to energy, um, which makes me good at relating to people, but almost too good in the sense that things can become enmeshed. I found mm-hmm. that I was completely drained and exhausted. Um, in my mid thirties. I'm like, what? I've healthier than I've ever been. Why does my body hurt? Um, Mm -hmm. And I was diagnosed actually with PTSD, which I think was probably a very late diagnosis. (laughs) Because if I look at it, I've been struggling with this my entire life. And so that became, I think once it became physical, and I think we all have these wake up calls, right? Where maybe you come out and you're just the most sensitive you've ever been, right? And someone is just so hurtful or et cetera start to recognize like, oh my gosh, my new life does not align with this person mm-hmm. being, I just keep getting smacked. Yep. Like this is not sustainable. For me, it just became all encompassing. It was work that was, you know, exacerbating some of this stuff and triggering me. It was the family stuff. I started to actually um, uncover early childhood sexual trauma. So there was just a lot that was coming up and it was hurting my body and making me feel really completely out of alignment. From there, once it became physical, I was like, oh, absolutely not. My first priority in life has always been health. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I did it. I, I, I pursued health in a way of being disciplined, very warrior, like let me be stronger I've ever been. So a lot of that was also self-punishment, but I recognized that shame and pain and trauma were living in, were living in my body. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why I've gone as comprehensively with the energy work and inner child work, et cetera, because it became a 911 situation. Um, But the more that I face the pain, I realized it's almost like the fear of rejection is worse than actual rejection. The pain became the step before the healing. The pain became the step before the power. In facing my pain, I was able to, you know, transform it 
into yeah. something that, you know, me, now I had access to my arm again. Now mm. I have access to more of my heart. Yeah. Now I have access to a more healed inner child or a more healed psyche. Now I have less shame that exists in my stomach. And so the healing just became this like thread that I was following and that I was honestly obsessed with to the point where like, it gets to the point where you're starting like to just look for trauma. You're like, what else? What else? Mm -hmm. And that's really how I approached it. And I realized through this work, um, even just sharing it with people, you know, I started a podcast about it and I talked to people and other people were healing around me. I was seeing my family heal. So it became this complete eclipse of experience that brought me back to my authentic self. So it, it's, it was not pretty. There was a lot of whaling. <laughs> there was a lot of money and investment and my life changed dramatically. But, um, and again, I, I think dealt with my fair share and everyone has their own unique experiences, but the cord cutting became a part of this process that allowed me to release and then welcome in energy that did serve me. And that was part of my purpose. Love um, that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it's so important that you touch upon that because it is a process. And I feel like when you go with the purpose of one, uncovering trauma that's living within your body and in your spirit and to healing that trauma, it's like, you don't know what you're going to find. Mm -hmm. Um, and I used to walk around thinking that I had like complete knowledge of my life that like, whatever I'm like consciously aware of is what has happened. And like that, that is what it is. Like, I know, like, I know everything that there is from the moment that I can remember things to now, like I know everything about my life. And the more that you work on healing your trauma, the more that you're uncovering so many things that live in your subconscious or live in the areas of yourself that have such deep shame that they're kind of like in a little closet that are hidden there, but that closet has so much power and so much shit in there that when you open those doors, you're like, I did not realize that all this stuff was in here. So it can be very daunting. It can be very um, anxiety inducing. It can be overwhelming. It can be um, a lot. And it can feel good sometimes. It can feel terrible sometimes. You can feel all of those things in one day. Mm -hmm. So I like that you clarify or shed light on the fact that you can feel all of these different emotions and that it's not linear, that there are some good days, there are some bad days, there's some good moments, some bad moments. Yeah. Forward, not straight, <laughs> right? And I think that like, you know, I, I just kind of got a message this week that, you know, you also don't go milling around to see what else is left there to heal. We don't put flowers on people's graves. Mm. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm in the process right now of like the cremation period. So there are, you know, you're going to find that there are those places within you where you still hold this, but I see it as more opportunity for healing, more opportunity for growth. And, um, and honestly, at that point, you then it's like an unbecoming while you're becoming. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Love that. Um, what do you see as the impact of not cutting the energetic cords? Because I feel like me, maybe like 10 years ago would have listened to this and been like, that's really cool and all. But I feel like my problems aren't that great. Like they're not that big. Like I haven't dealt with like 
excruciatingly painful things, right? Like we sometimes can put ourselves on a spectrum of like, I have an experience like immense loss of a person that I love. I have an experience like, uh, you know, whatever things we may consider to be like extremely drastic loss and pain, we may put ourselves on a spectrum and be like, well, you know, I just get like really angry sometimes and lash out, but like this, it's not that big of a deal. So why would I even have to like do any of this work? So what do you see as the impact of not cutting those energetic cords? I love that you gave that example, because I would say that I definitely have struggled with the idea of like falling apart. Like, what does it mean to be broken open? And, you know, I think like a lot of what happens when you experience like tough times in life and trauma is that you start to like develop this suit of like this person who like is amazing, et cetera. And yeah, you might like things might come up, but you're like, I'm just a powerful woman or I have fears or this. But in reality, no, you're just triggered and you're actually not in control of your life. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be in control of your life and not be a marionette or a puppy, do you really want other people's energy to be siphoned? Like, do you you really want other people's energy to be in your body or for your energy to be siphoned off from other people? This, it's like a, like a marionette and a puppet, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are not in control of, of all of these parts. And so therefore you're very much open to more pain and trauma. Like the trauma is just there. We can bypass it. We can pretend that it doesn't exist. We can resist facing it. Um, and I'm using that word trauma, not to like, sometimes we just think about big stuff, but it could yes. be, you know, mm-hmm. some, some weird relationship that you have with somebody. So this is not to say we don't re- like invest in humans in relationship, but we understand our parts. We accept our parts. Like the first part of self-love is acceptance, but we have to know it first. We have to face who we are first. We have to face whatever pain is waiting there in the wings or it's going to start stinking. Mm-hmm. And I hate to like use that, but it's like, I think that for me was really helpful to be like, wow, this is really ruining a lot of stuff for me. I'm starting to magnetize people towards me that have my same trauma mm-hmm. or they're like the narcissist from my past. And so what happens is that this conditioned halfway love is not love. And so therefore you're filled up with something that is not authentic and not you. Um, and so once you start to like really hone who you are and understand what you need and what your boundaries are and start to meet those needs and start to allow love in, that's when you are, that's when you feel amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is why a lot of people engage in escapism, like addictive drinking or binging or for me over exercise. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think like this will connect you with your true purpose. This will connect you with who you really are. This will allow you to beam with love the more that you face this stuff and you definitely don't have to do it alone. Like a a lot of this work, I wouldn't have done it without both of you. I couldn't have done it without my community, without God, Mm -hmm. without my own sense of purpose and prioritization in my life. So I think it is, it's honestly, it's a privilege once you start to really do it in a way that you're starting to see and you're starting, it's almost like the difference between walking and flying. Yeah. (laughs) You're not, it's not going to be that hard. Because you're not working through all of this stuff that's existing in your body anymore. You're, you're free. You're lighter. Yeah. I think it's so key that you said that um, when you're not cutting these cords or not doing that work or not being aware of that, you are attracting that energy or what you, the things that are weighing you down. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize that, right? Like that drain feeling that you get, like when if you're not aware if you're not doing the work 
I think you have to hit like rock bottom as, as you were mentioning, like it has to start affecting your physical body and all these things. Cause I, I talk to a lot of people who attract the same type of person, a friend, uh, a partner, and it's the same thing over and over again. And it's not until they hit rock bottom that they're like, Oh my God, I have to like, they don't have the terminology for this, but like, I have to cut the cord with these things cause they're not serving me. So I think it's so key that you said that. Cause that is a, huge part of not if you don't do that that's it's weighing you down yeah and like again I can have entered I can have relationships with people and not be courted to them Mm -hmm. right so I think like what you were just saying it reminded me of like do you really want to get to the point where this whole thing blows up Mm -hmm. where you lose the entire relationship now again some things require it some things and sometimes people physically do it like they'll be like when they think about it (laughs) or like with the next I remember I would be like every time I would think about her I'm like picture her on the side of the road and just walking by her Mm. So there are ways for me to do this. So, so for some, it becomes more of an involved, but for others, it's like, I don't actually have to be courted to you in that way. Like I actually had a, a spiritual advisor who said, oh yeah, your ex is courted in your third eye and she's living off of you here and this. And I was like, oh my God, get away. Yeah. <laughs> right? and not everything requires that. Sometimes it can just be boundary setting, et cetera. Mm. And in that way, you're still cutting cords. It's just doing it in a way that honors the relationship that that was meant to be without all the weird dynamics and the puppetry and the obligation and the transaction. Mm Because all of that is indicative of toxicity and and halfway love. It's not really exuding love. And the only way we can do that with other people is if we're in full sovereignty of our own energy. If we actually know what's going in and coming out. Yeah. I think it's difficult for some people because it's all they've known. It's, you know, it's, it's the love that they've all, I put quotes on that because, you know, but for it's it's the only thing they've known. So it's hard for people to recognize what serves them and what doesn't because they're just like, oh, it's just supposed to feel like this. I'm supposed to feel this drain. Like this is what it is. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a whole formula. <laughs> and I think it starts at self-love, right? So I think that's that's where I started myself. Like it wasn't until I started seeing who I was magnetizing and being like, why am I dating narcissists mm-hmm. who treat me terrible? Or why are why am I dating people whose gaps I'm filling? Mm. And that's something I keep on telling myself, stop filling the gap. <laughs> sometimes we could even just with certain friends, I'm like, I could do this for you. Let me make you water. Let me do this. Yeah. And you know, that could be patronizing, right? But it's recognizing I have this tendency and by the way that, you know, the triggers are there. We just react to them differently. We have a pause. I have a moment of pause to be like, I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. What is this person communicating? Um, but yeah, it starts with self-love. It starts with accepting yourself, doing that inner child work, looking at your shadow parts, et cetera. And so I find from that state of awareness and knowing and self-trust, because it took me a while that everyone was like, trust yourself. And I'm like, do you understand? I've been a marionette up until, or like mm. I've been a puppet up until mm. this point. Um, so it took a while, but it, you know, again, friends feeding into me, self-love, et cetera. And it, and it actually did take a break from all these relationships that I potentially ended up cutting in the end, some of which I've reintroduced myself in a new way. So also just honor your needs for distance. If it needs to be more dramatic, everyone has the opportunity to take some time away and focus on loving themselves and honoring your desires and meeting your own needs and all of that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you talk about um, self-love because I've been thinking a lot recently about how many people have grown up without knowing what love is. 
because their family has been um, in survival mode or their family never knew what love was. And so they just saw people who cared for them, who like provided for them, but never got a chance to see or experience what love is. So when they hear the word self-love, it's just so confusing because they're like, I never saw an example of like me being loved mm. growing up. Like what, what was that? Right. Like I got food, I got clothes, mm -hmm. I got, you know, I got, you know, clothes. Did I just say Some, somewhere to sleep, so, somewhere to sleep, like shelter. Sorry. Like really giving up caffeine is really hard. Like your brain just doesn't <laughs> I've been, I've been apologizing all day. Like, sorry, I'm not drinking coffee anymore. And my brain isn't <laughs> where it normally is. Okay. Anyway, you have shelter, you have all this stuff. And then this idea of self-love comes in and you're like, okay, I'll practice self-love. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to make my bed. I'm going to shower. But I don't really feel love because I care for myself, but what else is there? So um, I think it's so important to really deep dive into what does love mean? I think that is such a profound question. Mm -hmm. um, what does love mean and what does it mean for you to love yourself? And what does it mean for you to show yourself that love? And I think that question you cannot answer it in one day. I think it takes like a lifetime, but I think it's so important to process that and really live in that and understand that. So I wanted to just take an aside to mention that because this idea of self-love, some people can either take it as like very daunting or some people can be like, great. Yeah. Like I get my nails done. And that's certainly part of self-care, but does, is that how you show yourself love? Like, how, how do you know that you love yourself? What does that self-love look like and what does it mean? Yeah, I actually, like, at the beginning of my, like, healing journey, I would say really this past, this start of this year, um, this year's healing journey, um, I took a course uh, by Teal Swan, who I've mentioned already. You guys know I love her. Mm -hmm. um, it was a self-love course, and she literally gives you, like, 11 to 12 ways to, to just practice self-love. And one of the questions that she asks is, like, what would someone who loves themselves do? Um, and she has you do a commitment for 365 days to ask that. And I swear, I like cannot stop asking that. But another, like just in terms of that course, definitely something to look into if you're like, how do I even begin this work? And what does that look like? Because she actually goes through inner child coaching and mm -hmm. all of these amazing things. I was like, oh my gosh, for like maybe 50 bucks, like mm -hmm. I had access to all of these different tools. But what I actually did at first, and I realized I've been doing this my entire life, is looking at people who I believe love themselves greatly. Mm. Um, whether it be my aunt, who was one of the, those champions for me, and she's a coach as well. Um, but I would say one of the main ones, and when you were talking, I was like, Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou loved herself. Um, mm. You know, and this was a woman who'd had like five different careers and traversed such trauma. And so I, I felt really inclined to be connected with someone like that because I felt like our, you know, she had her own background, but we had a lot of similar type of experiences of the sorts of trauma that we did. And 
I just, I thought like, look for those folks, look for Mm -hmm. those people who you're like, hold on, they're holding themselves differently, whether it be someone in your life, whether it be someone even in the media, like just get to understand, like, what is that secret? Um, Mm -hmm. Someone who I think like two people, both on, you're going to love this stuff, Brene Brown's podcast. um, (laughs) It was Sonia Renee Taylor, Mm, another person who like incredibly loves herself and her conversation was mind blowing. And the other that I was like, whoa, Alicia Keys, Mm -hmm. another human. So I think like there are accessible, even if we haven't experienced it, people that we know out there that are doing something in a way that might personally resonate with you. And let me tell you, I've also had my own evolution of this because sometimes I'm like, you know, once I grow enough, I'm like, ooh, that's not self-love, that's something else. So I guess Mm -hmm. it's like, let me, you know, I have a newer version as I, but I would say that and just really just surrounding yourself with humans who are givers. My coach gave me that, like befriend the givers, Mm. befriend the givers and make sure that that they're the ones that are giving and not in a transactional or obligatory way. So I think there are a number of ways that we can use folks as examples, as relationships that can help us to understand like, what does it mean to love yourself? I had to do a lot of like, I had to do a whole listening tour to figure that out myself. Thank you for mentioning Brene Brown. Thank you. And Sonia Renee Taylor, because Brene Brown is, those are my two favorite people. Those are your two heroes. Okay, my two favorite people. (laughs) Brene Brown, life-changing, her work on shame, on vulnerability, the gifts of imperfection, the book, incredible. She touches on so many topics. Love her. Sonia Renee Taylor just has this like swag. And when I say swag, I mean this like thought process, the way that Sonia processes things, shares frameworks, share like deconstructs things that are happening in the world. And so, so very like eloquently puts them out where you're like, I didn't even know I was feeling that until you just said that is incredible. Also has a book called The Body Is Not An Apology that you can read. And I'm a person, I mention this all the time, that I really like frameworks. And Sonia Renee Taylor has frameworks and it's incredible. So thank you for mentioning um, those two wonderful humans. Can I mention one more just because I'm it. reading it and a friend of mine will be happy that I did. Adrienne Marie Brown, Pleasure Activism is mm. also really beautiful. One thing that like when, when friends of mine who might struggle with this as well, follow those desires, start honoring your desires and start activating from that place. And I promise you, it's, it's a long journey, right? From scarcity to abundance, from lovelessness to love. But I'm finding, you know, even in my own life right now, engaging in that which I desire from a place of like knowing and just being like, oh, I want that. Like today, I really wanted a kombucha. You know, today I really wanted whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian Marie Brown talks a lot about that. And my whole thing is I'm not just healing just for me. I mean, my ancestry, maybe my future children, but I'm healing so that I can become more engaged member in society so I can help others heal so that I can sort of be my own light. So I think like that idea of pleasure activism within our current context right now with what's happening in the world that's kind of why I'm doing this work more fervently is mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, I'm, I'm, I want to be ready for, for the work that I'm going to bring into this world from a place of self-love. And really it starts at self Well, it starts at acceptance, self-love, and then self-honor. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm not there yet at the next level, but we're, we're getting there, right? We're continuing to evolve and accept who we are and become who we are from that place of love. Yeah. It's like, um, Eddie, who, who, you know, Elisa, and yeah. he, I'm sure he'll talk about this um, 
on his um, episode that we're recording with him, but he he talks about this idea of like Eddie 4.0, Eddie 5.0. He's like, yeah, so Eddie 6.0, like this is like this is who I'm trying to be. And I I think that's genius <laughs> to just think about yourself in the sense of like this is who I'm trying to evolve to be, but not like in a materialistic way or like I'm gonna have a house or any of this, but it's more of like Eddie 4.0 like walks into the room and everyone knows who Eddie's about because that is the energy that I've put out there. And I'm so aligned with my values that it just resonates. It comes out of my pores. Yeah. Even his name gave me a heart flutter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's somebody to look at to, to like learn how to, to love yourself. And yeah. it is, again, it's like the unbecoming of, you know, who you thought you needed to be in order to be loved. Mm-hmm. And then the rebecoming of who you were actually were always meant to be your authentic self. Yeah. I love it. Shout out to Eddie for... I'm really proud of him. And I'll tell him this on our episode, but Eddie was the guy that last year was like, I just want to become the guy, like you said, that walks in a room and everybody knows that like to not fuck with me. I know my values. I know everything. That's who he has become. Everyone knows what he's about. And I'm just so proud of the work he's been putting for himself. And I'm really excited for his episode on self-love. Yeah. (laughs) I got a a lot to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Elisa, what advice would you give to anyone who's listening on the signals that they should pay attention to that show them when it's time to cut the cord? I know I keep like, I asked that question before and I like shared a little bit, but I just, I want to just make sure that people walk away from this truly understanding, like what can I be looking out for so that I can understand when it's time to just get curious about like, hmm, maybe this energy isn't serving me the way I thought it was anymore. Yeah, no, this is such a great question. And I wanted to reflect on it. So I have a a little bit of a list, but hit us with that list, right? It's like, it's recognizing, you know, one thing I started to do was recognize how I was feeling in certain people's energy. Where was I feeling insecure or this or that? And what I started to do was actually communicate that with these people being like, Hey, like, I know you just said that I'm having a story in my head. Is that right? And, you know, sometimes we can kind of work it out and they're like, no, not not that. But if it happened again and again and again, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling small in this Mm -hmm. person's energy. So I think like, where are you feeling drained or lethargic? What relationships do you feel obligated to? Or you're like, well, they did this. So maybe I have to do this. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is engaging in anything like wrong, but maybe your connection or dynamic with them is not completely healthy. I think that's an opportunity for you to pull back that energy and, you know, test some boundaries. Like instead of saying, you know, if they're like, Oh, how have you been? I haven't heard from you. Instead of saying, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's like, Hey, great to hear from you. I'm, I'm doing well. It's like, mm-hmm. how can I lead with the energy of like, Hey, I'm deserving of my energy as well. You're not, I'm not obligated to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about what bonds from either the past or the present make you feel stuck. Where do you feel like you're stagnant in your growth or in the relationship? And again, not everyone is for everyone, everybody. Sometimes there's certain friends that you hang out with, or there's certain friends that you get emotionally connected with, but you know, sometimes there's stuff from the past that we've really buried and maybe there's more cord cutting that we need to do there, whether it be with a past lover or friend where things kind of get a little, got a little weird it doesn't mean you have to involve the other person. I cannot stress this enough. There's a lot of like folks out there that will be like, just talk to them and confront them. And that's not always safe. Mm. So also recognizing this work, like the number one thing that I would say, if I can just create a safe 
haven for yourself. If something does not feel safe for you to communicate, do not do that. Mm. You will be given the words when, when and if you need to, but mm. so much healing energetically can be done by yourself with boundaries, right? And some needs to be communicated. Um, where are you experiencing obsessive thoughts or judgments, right? Those relationships which are kind of frenemies or where like maybe you feel a little bit of a tinge of jealousy. What's happening there? And that could be your own stuff, right? Mm. That person can be triggering something or maybe they don't recognize that they completely overwhelm you with their problems all the time. Um, checking in on your physical and emotional health, um, you know, how are you sleeping? Um, are you connected to a phone all of the time? So I think like also just following some of those escapist behaviors. And that's something that um, I had to do a lot of. And sometimes, you know, phones are meant to be addictive. <laughs> we all know mm -hmm. that. I have my little blue blackery glasses to try to make that blue light not as pronounced. But I think also just taking some time to be in your own energy, literally a one minute meditation to just get you back to calm can help you see things more clearly. So those were just some of the ways that I was thinking about it. Obviously, there's other tremendous ones if someone's completely disrespecting your boundaries or asking you for things that are no longer something that you can offer or, um, or pulling you into behaviors in ways that are not serving you. Um, but I would say those are the things that have really helped me. Awesome. I, I love that. I like that you said you don't have to confront the other person because I'm like, people are going to leave this episode and be like, let me call this person right here. Let me <laughs> no, just long list. A piece of my mind. Let me put my, let me, what is it? What is the thing from the movie, the burn book? The burn um, list? That know. movie that everybody talks about. No oh. Yes. Yes. Mean Girls. Yes. Yeah. I know. She has like the pages and they're all just yeah. flying around and she's starting the drama. Yeah. The yeah, burn some things. And that's the thing. I actually want to say that because um, that really helped me is to recognize that you can think all the things that you want about somebody. You can write it down, et cetera. And it actually doesn't hurt them. Mm. It actually doesn't hurt them. So I think like sometimes when we engage with someone prematurely, we overly justify what they're doing or we apologize. So it might not even like even the it, it's not safe. It's not um, authentic. Right. So there are ways that you can deal with all of your anger, all of your stuff in your own energy, within your own safety, with a guide, with a coach, whatever, or by yourself, but it doesn't always involve, involve involving the other person until it does. And, and you'll know that, but I would just say, just be careful because I've seen people prematurely re-traumatize re themselves by mm -hmm. having conversations before they recognize like, what are the expectations I have? Is this safe? Yeah, that's key. Major key. <laughs> um, key. Before we wrap up, Elisa, I want to ask you, and you talked about this a little bit, but what are the best resources that you can recommend for someone ready to take the step of cutting the cord? Yeah. Um, again, I would really bring up the inner child coaching work. Um, I would really bring up um, meditation and really getting in your body and really seeing where you might actually have some, some stagnant energy. So I would say those are just kind of like the ways that physically, um, but I really love Teal Swan's work um, just because she gives a lot about understanding energy. Um, 
there is also Brene Brown is really excellent for that as well. Oh. There's Michelle Shelfont. Um, mm-hmm. So I think sometimes like we have an event, I'm, I can't believe we had a conversation. We did talk about codependency, which I kind of love because I think we've addressed that in other things. <laughs> but there's Melody Beattie has a really beautiful book called Codependent No More and the Art of Letting Go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like actually following the track of codependency can really bring in a lot. Um, I really like if you're struggling with things with family or parents or even just processing your origin story, um, I really like the adult children of emotionally immature parents. Um, There's a whole series of books there that I really, really Mm. enjoy. Um, Anything on being an empath, if that's something that you identify with, which is someone who's a bit more sensitive to energy, all of that will teach you what you need about boundaries um, and about understanding where you stop and other people begin. Totally. So many good resources. Do you think, I have a random question. Do you think that, I'm sure the answer is yes, but from the beginning of when you started your journey with doing the work and cutting the cords, do you think you've attracted more people that are on that same path? It's like, I, whatever is better than a moth to a flame. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I just, I, you know, I realize that, again, I think one of my main purposes is to, free myself from a lot of past stuff. And I would honestly say it's like my own version of generational wealth. I'm building generational wealth energetically Mm -hmm. and clearing a lot of past trauma. Um, One thing I didn't mention, but if you are Latinx um, or have really strong ancestry, which I like to say that if you have, Mm -hmm. um, I really have connected with my own ancestral healing. And I believe that my grandmother and my grandmother's mom really started this work they were healers they were midwives Mm -hmm. um and somewhere down the line they were broken right and I really feel like it's kind of like they're passing the torch for me yeah so yeah I think that the more that I stand in my own power which is what happens when you cut cords that no longer serve you and you process your trauma I'm reclaiming my power I'm standing in my full authenticity you become like this light beam for humans, um, Jess, I met you, Steph, I mm-hmm. met you. Like there's just, it's been incredible. Um, even right now I'm in Santa Fe and I'm running into humans that are amazing. So yeah, I see it as that. And I see it as the more that you do it, you also discern from afar almost. It's like, I can see you across the room and I'm like, Ooh, not my person. Let me walk <laughs> out. Let me, let me, I honestly sometimes have to just kind of like wipe things off cause I can feel it. Um, so yeah, absolutely become more discerning as well about what's for you and what's not for you. Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, this is, I mean, everything you say is always straight fire. I tell you that all the time. Um, I'm just so, I feel so privileged to know you. We feel so privileged to know you and to have just to be able to witness your journey. Um, from the first time we met to now we're, I'm just so proud of you. Um, you've come such a long way and like, it's just been beautiful to watch. So thank you for letting us be part of that. Thank you for sharing with our listeners. I know that they're going to really benefit from this. And if they're not already curious, they will get curious. Um, and yeah, just thank you. Um, we love having you on and there's so many topics that I want to jump into that you brought up here, but, um, is there anything else you would like to leave the listeners with before we, before we go? Well, first of all, thank you for that huge dose of love. I love that every time I talk to each of you, I'm like, I'm so proud of, I mean, I just feel like there's just such, talk about a mutually reinforcing relationship. 
Um, but I would say I would also offer myself as a resource. So I do transformation coaching. Um, so if anyone wants to reach out to me, mm-hmm. um, I'm happy to put my information in the show notes and send those to you. Yep. Um, I'm also happy to just chat, right? Yep. Just communicate. Um, I think I want to be a guide for this kind of work. I want to be a conduit or someone to help and provide resources. I also have a Radical Choices podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't shot new episodes recently, but I walk through a lot of what I mentioned in terms of resources. Mm-hmm. So you can find that on Spotify or um, on iTunes. Um, and again, it's called Radical Choices, but feel free to connect. Um, I think, yeah, I think we talked through it all. Yeah, so totally. And Elisa's being very truthful. And if you reach out, she will make time for you. Um, you remember, that's how we met. I reached out to you for coffee and you gave me 30 <laughs> minutes of your morning. And since then, we've been really good friends. So, um, yes, thank you for offering that to our listeners. I'm sure they will really appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy to do it. Awesome. Well, Elisa, thank you again so much for joining and for all of your wisdom. Um, and I know that people will take a lot from the episode, so really, really um, appreciate it. You have left me with some things for me to think about. So thank you from me to you. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening as well. Yeah. Till next time. Bye. Peace. Peace.